welcome to Gadget Brew, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things, fish and beer. Nine cubes. I am the Lizza. <laughs> I'm the kid. Did you hear how they just fucked that up? Nine cubes. They didn't come in on the right intro. They didn't say nine cubes. They missed that. Like Nine cubes. What's the name of that song? <laughs> Without looking. Uh, brains. We have come to outlive our brains. And that, of course, was from Riviera Maya. Yeah. From late February, when fish do the whole swim to warmer waters. <laughs> Is that what they call it? <laughs> no, I just said that. But it's what most people do in the winter. They go to a warmer place. I could see a fish shirt where they're all in inner tubes with fishmen's like fishmanos on it. And it's a swimming to warmer waters. Should do that. Oh, I should make create that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh I don't know. I like drawing. I just don't like drawing concepts. See like what you just said makes me just like completely want to bail. <laughs> I could never be like a an graphic a graphic designer, designer or yeah, yeah like like cuz I would do this whole thing that l- would like be beautiful. Like what you just said, like a, a t-shirt fish concept. And then I'd have to present it to like my boss and they'd be like, oh no, I lose that, 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 that. And I'd be like, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Word. So was that from night one? What uh, night was that, that from? That is night one. Three nights to cover here. So let's just go over overall impressions. You made fun of me for saying that I was excited about this run and how like I just get excited about it because it's like the first time I've seen them play in a couple months. But just general impressions of Riviera Riviera Maya 2019. What were they for you? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I was neither overwhelmed or underwhelmed. I was just whelmed. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Cool. This was the first time ever since I've been a fish fan that I missed a night. I didn't simulcast it or go. First time ever that's happened to me. Yeah. And to date, to the minute of us recording this podcast, there are still songs from this run that I haven't listened to. Huh. And that's very rare for me. Both yeah, of those things are like, very rare for me. Like a week and a half after it happened, too. It's like a while. Well, first, let's just say this. I go through like a good three-day period of like cursing Fish OD out because the app isn't there anymore and that was like my crutch after yeah, i would see a show re-listen is what i use now but they didn't post those 2019 dates for like four days re-listen pulls from fish.in and yeah fish.in took a really long time to get it copy that yeah i think overall coventry music and download it okay uh, how overall. do i play that on my phone uh you plug it you you <laughs> take the tracks that you download from uh-huh. coventry music on my computer it, uh, you're gonna use and I your store computer them on to, my computer. Yeah, and then you. I don't s- want to do that. You, so you already lost me. Don't want to do that. I want something at my fingertips that's handheld that I can have access to. Okay. Just download on that device, i.e., my phone, and listen to it underground when I'm on the subway. Uh, that's you all can I want. put ASAP. So okay, thanks for listening. Thanks. No, no, no you're, this is always a great exercise for me because I get to see like if I can use technology to somehow create what you're asking for. Which I'm is the basic. average user. Yeah. You know, you know the backstory. <laughs> Yeah, cool. So, so how could you get me these shows quicker for me to re-listen? So I can download them from Coventry Music, which is where a lot of uh, fans go to get the crowd Sound recordings, recordings like a day after it happens. Right. So but th- so now we're also there's something else to be said. Those are crowd recordings. Correct. I would not want those. I don't want that. And most of the time, 90 percent of the time you're listening to crowd recordings. 
Aren't they remastered or remixed? Not unless you're listening to it on like Spotify, which is like official fish huh. re- like released soundboards or you're They're all fan recordings? If you're listening to fish.in, it's all fan recordings. That's why that site's allowed to exist. Okay, so you go to coventry.music or .net or whatever. You go Coventry to that website. Music, you download yeah. the show. That's usually on that website, what, one day after? A week. That's you, too long. You've got a w- over a week to download it. No, no. So it pops up there the next day. Correct. Oh, okay. That's and the that link was is what live I was asking. For like a week. I was asking Unless the lag it's a time. Google, a Google Doc link is live as long as the person leaves it there. But yeah, you have like a, over a week. So you do that. You download it on your computer, mm-hmm. and then have it. This is already way too much work. I wouldn't wake up the next day and be like, okay, I'm gonna set aside set aside time to download this onto my computer. Yeah, that's fine. That's uh, we're talking about how to make this user friendly for you, not what I yeah, have to yeah. do to make it user friendly. for No, you. no. But Those y- are two different I'm things. saying you already would have lost me because i wouldn't have woken up and downloaded it on my laptop you're not doing any of this part this is all my part oh you you're (laughs) gonna do it okay cool 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 oh great continue then how you do this okay uh what one would do to put it on their phone is that they would load it into itunes or load it into my music if it was a pc and then you just put it on your phone like you put the files on your phone i also have Um, not done that in a really long time yeah so you don't sync music to your phone anymore you use all streaming shit so something that you can download for your phone is plex plex is like a media server that lets you host shit like we've been using that does audio too does audio i didn't know that so what you can do is you can i can put those files in there and you can pull them up through the plex app you'd be connecting to the same plex server you know why i can't have plex on my phone why because my insomnia would be really bad why? I would never, I would never go to bed. I'd be able to watch stuff on my phone. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be like Can't a, it'd be like a giant <laughs> library just sitting there next that's to like, me. That's like giving a cigarette. Yeah, addict, exactly. Like an and I'd have to use my to willpower to just not watch stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I would just fall asleep watching stuff all the time, <laughs> which is bad, way bad for somebody who has insomnia. I think that just, I was like gonna say Lisa. that just that just speaks to your consumption rate of content, and that's something that's really interesting to me. Like living in an in an era where I can download music the day after and immediately start listening through and like binge listening to shows, like I don't find that the case when I listen to Fish. I find that like I download the shows the day after. I might pick out one or two songs, but I actually don't really like. You know, when Netflix releases a show and you just binge watch all. 12 episodes well here's why i bring this up because like i said this was the first instance where i didn't catch all the simulcasts and i wanted to hear that show the next day and it was not possible for me to do so and i was getting upset oh i was i was listening to it next day well i was not (laughs) i guess i gotta get better technology dude you you hang out with a bunch of fish heads so it's like you know we all get together and we start talking about the show yeah yeah i don't want to hear any spoils yeah 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 for sure it's like if you don't catch a major motion. So you saw night one, though. You movie. simulcast night one, correct? I simulcasted all of set two. So set one, I was trying to get a live link. Uh, and it's basically just someone sharing a link on Facebook or Instagram. <coughs> and basically all the links that people were trying to share, people weren't even sharing them yet. And they were like, nothing's working. Like this, none of the links are, everything's buffering, everything's terrible, nothing works. So the one thing that was floating around was an audio feed. And it was like someone just sitting at the resort on the Wi-Fi <laughs> with their funny. phone out, just like broadcasting the show. And Can you remember another simulcast time when the audio was as, as bad as it was this time? Uh, the whole feed was bad. So that's why they ended up porting it through YouTube and the whole second set was free. 
they could not figure out how to get it to work through their like general means of broadcasting it through a uh, live fish. They had to go through YouTube. Has this ever happened before? Uh, not to my knowledge, to a point where they've just straight up opened the gates and said, you can watch everything free on YouTube. But no, I'm saying has the audio fuck up ha- ever happened before? Oh, a rebuffer? I mean, I've seen my fair share of rebuffer on a simulcast. I don't, I, I, I'm saying. Really? No, no. On a simulcast, when you pay for it, it's, yeah, you need to buffer it. That means there's just a lot of people doing it. I'm talking about like there were actual errors, like where someone turned a knob and it was skipping. Like there were errors on their part with whoever was recording the music, their music at that arena. It, something was messed up in the broadcasting of it. So what they do is like they don't use the infrastructure of the place. They have like a like a a truck parked right. out front with Correct. a satellite on Correct. top of it and it Correct. beams it all up to the internet. Correct. <laughs> so that's all like something in the way that they poured it to live fish through their website got fucked up. Something got fucked up. So that's why they used YouTube as the next like means to upload it through there and it was stable and they let people watch it for free. Cool, man. I don't care. I got to watch a whole second fucking set for free. It was great. I think their simulcast is way overpriced, and I think it should be cheaper if you want to talk about something. Is there a way to retroactively <laughs> buy it? Because I was also looking to do that, and I couldn't figure uh, out if that was a thing. People are starting you can't, to t- right? People are starting to talk about it on the internet such that they say if you have up to five IP addresses logged into the website, mm-hmm. you won't get blacklisted. That can happen. If I buy one copy of the simulcast and I yeah. give it out to 20 of my friends yeah. and they see my one paid podcast pinging at 20 different IP addresses, they shut me down and I can't ever buy one again. Huh. So what people have been talking about doing is finding that special medium where they don't catch you anymore. And the number that I've heard is five. So five people put in for the simulcast, which is $25. Right. Each person ends up paying basically seven bucks. Seven bucks? I can't do math. Five I'm bucks, asking, five, 10, no, 15, again, 20, see, I think you're just kind of missing bucks. what I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm talking about like going on the Fish website and buying a show that they've played the night before. I wish you could still do that. Or oh. get access to that somehow um, after the so fact. You used they should like leave them up there right, for like listen, three days or something. So you used to. The, the history of like Live Fish, as far as I've known it, from when I started being a fan, and I actually thought this was really cool, is that if you went to a fish show back in 2010 when I first started seeing them, your ticket stub would get you the downloads of the SBDs the day after. Yeah, so that's you could, pretty cool. You could go onto their website, put in your ticket number, and get immediate downloads of the actual SBDs from the night before. And it was great. And that's how I have a lot of my fish music, a lot of my live fish music, it was just me going to shows from like 2010. I want to say it was about till 2016, 2017, they launched their app, their streaming service. So now instead of... Which you have to pay for. Correct. And now instead of having access to both the simulcast that you purchased the day after and those MP3 files, they also had FLAC files too, which is this type of of file that basically has all the information. Mm -hmm. So it's like the highest quality audio file that you can get. Of sure. the SPDs. So they shut all that down. They were like, the only way to get access to this is to pay for our fish app, which you have to pay monthly for, like Spotify or anything else. And you get all the SPDs and all the recordings and everything that we've ever released. And you can do exactly what you're saying, stream it to your phone. So I think ultimately, if you wanted to like pay fish in a really cool way and not pay for Spotify and not do whatever, then really you're saying you're a perfect advocate for getting their app. 
because you could listen to any of the shows that they've ever released any of the spds shows the day after immediately get uploaded but i like, surely have access to that music because i already did pay for it i shouldn't have to pay for it again that's the business it's changing i don't know what to tell you that's why you do the cr- the crowd recordings have always i'm saying been available. so i'm saying i literally just gave them a new avenue to make additional money so rather than taking a show down after it's over and the simulcast has happened they should keep it up there for purchase like after the fact oh, like i would have gone on their website the next day <laughs> so and bought the night previous and the night And they could have made double the amount of money off me. You're absolutely right. And not only is that really funny, but what people do, and there's an underground fish like place for it as well as people uh, screen capture the simulcasts. Right. You were saying by that point, that second day, it's already going to be all over the internet and I'd be dumb to go to their website and pay for it. Like nicely recorded, like from the first night. I think just fish heads are fish heads and some IT guy who knows what a capture card is plugged (laughs) it into his computer and did it. You know, like it's like if I paid for this thing and then I capture my own screen and I keep it for myself for my own records, I'm fine. She gets like south real quick with the internet when you start sharing what you've owned. Yeah. It's like taking a DVD and being like, here's a hundred of my friends. I'm going to let them all copy this DVD. Like that's when shit gets gray. But then I would argue like, don't, isn't music meant to be shared? Well, fish has always had this <laughs> idea of like yes, anybody, I think anybody so. can come in and record a show. Yes. But that's why when you do podcasts and when you do things like that and you're using crowd recordings, in most cases you're fine because that's allowed anyway. It's when you start using studio albums and then you start selling your podcast for money. Those and are copyrighted. Yeah, and then their <laughs> fucking label goes, hey, where's our money? You use Yeah, this but on that is legal. Correct. It's so legal to you're, you're <laughs> get money. <for laughs> you're them. now dancing the waltz of like, I love this band and they let you, me I do this. I bet music law like, is really interesting. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Everybody's hmm. always trying to get their money because you're trying to like control and cut up and compartmentalize and like give ownership of very uh fluid things to specific people what's obvious about fish is that they're realizing that their fans are also getting older which more often than not means that they're also growing up in socioeconomic status or at least maintaining the same level of and in most cases it's been going up uh, yeah for their fan base i would say so it's like it it gets to an annoying part when it's like (laughs) you're watching it increase with the times and if they were truly like you're saying into it about the music things would be accessible and i think that's what people are picking up on on the internet it's there people on the internet on facebook are saying it's ridiculous that i have to pay 24 dollars for a simulcast but if five of my friends can get together and five is is the highest number of pings that they'll see and they won't yell at us and the five of us can pay like six bucks each and we can see the simulcast. Let's start doing that, and let's band together. And like six of us agree. I to don't do like that. that idea. You know why? It sucks because but that's what it's coming. One to. human should purchase it, invite those people over to where they're watching it, <laughs> collect <laughs> dividends from each one of those people, and then it's truly shared. You want to have a party. You want to correct. Yeah. So that it all goes back to what I just said. But Music is inherently meant to be shared, and when I when I say shared, I don't mean like digitally shared. I mean like experienced with other physical right. human so beings. So what you're talking about is what fish used to do before the simulcast existed and it was basically the same thing they would simulcast to specific movie theaters and they would play in the movie theaters and you go to the movie theaters and see yeah that's a cool concept that's something that i haven't experienced as a fish fan going to see like a simulcast played at a movie theater that's like simulcast 1.0 
So they don't do was, that anymore at all. Yeah, yeah, they don't do that. No anymore. movie theater would probably would, take that. And loss. Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, people would show up, but like, what movie It'd theater? Would, that movie theater would need to serve liquor and to like allow smoking. They, they should would do, do it great at like Nighthawk. They should do it. <laughs> or Alamo Draft House, any of those places that let you drink and hang. Yeah, they totally should. But the seats would still get ruined. People would be jumping all over the yeah, place. Yeah, whatever. So really, at the end of the day, what you're make saying a lot of money. is that clubs could simulcast. And even still, you're talking about someone allowing people. They should. To, it's like what they do for boxing, you know, pay-per-view. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Same sure, shit. Sure, 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 sure. It's all the same shit. You can use a projector. But so then I argue to you, if you want to talk about the ethics of it, what's the difference between a place hosting a boxing like match at a bar and charging every single person five or ten dollars overhead, even though the match actually only costs fifty bucks, and that bar is just making all that money, and you're gonna eat there and you're gonna drink there? I like, never pay why? covers to get in anywhere. But if I'm going into a place and I'm patronizing it, I'm not spending money just to literally walk across their threshold. So I don't I do that. I think that's interesting interesting because ultimately you're saying that there's specific rules to how you would watch a simulcast and what i'm saying no no is because simulcast if you're doing it in your home you have access to all the things yeah, you have that's for free what pay-per-view is that's it's a simulcast of a wrestling match or simulcast of the boxing match or simulcast so what i'm saying is that fish has a simulcast of music and music gets a little crazier because it's like at the end of the day you want more people to hear your stuff and Correct. at the end of the day, the infrastructure that it's costing you in order to broadcast your simulcast is yeah. n is the overhead you're making would I would argue would just be that much more because more people would have access to it. A fish has hundreds of thousands of people who would show up to a festival in the 90s. Like, I would imagine that all those chunks of people have had kids at this point that could spread out and be even more accessible. And those kids are now all just out of college, a ton of debt, all this shit. I'm pretty sure they want to pay $7 for a simulcast instead of 24 bucks. <laughs> I don't know. That's me. Simulcast is too expensive. <laughs> Okay, Grandpa. Let's actually talk about the show and the run, and not let's move away from music <laughs> ethics and simulcast. I think we talked way too much about that. So I'm angry. Night one. Night one was, I would say, arguably the sloppiest, but yeah. had the most bust outs. Uh, so I think that's maybe enough to equal that weight scale. No, I disagree. Okay, you are allowed to disagree and think what you want. You're wrong. Uh, I think bust outs are cool, but I don't think, I think if the technicality is bad enough, it pulls people out of it. I think even your most like layman. Fish yeah, I agree. Like, I agree. But I'm yeah. saying that, you know, I'm, you know, what's funny that makes me like happy and sad is that I was able to predict that they were going to be rusty. <laughs> it's that it's fucking formula at this point though. They're always rusty. They're, they were really rusty. After taking a break. My general yeah. notes of this night one, when I heard it, when I finally fucking got to hear it, was that like the recording was not good. I had a very hard time like listening to whatever recording they posted. I got re-listened. That's like what I said. And two, that the flubs were noticeable. And that they weren't just like flubs. They were like missing like marks and like intros and like specific lyrics. And like it was like a very, very sloppy, sloppy show. Yeah. But... You know, I still liked it. And <laughs> I thought my other criticism, you're happy because I brought criticism to the table. I thought the whole like 
shit on it shit on theme it. Yeah, i felt like the whole like yeah, beach yeah, theme was like way too obvious and way too cheesy i uh, literally felt like trey was like jerking fucking off a string cheese can like uh, like like you know into the you audience it's really funny it was a beach theme but they weren't la- allowing people in the ocean this year it's so funny they had a bunch of jet skis like patrolling the waters and not not letting people chill I was very interested about that. Right, so they that. did free, like, splashing in the sea. Yeah. Like, who loves the sun? Like, they did a lot of, like, lyrics where they sang about playing on a beach because they were on a beach, Aww. which is fine. Like, sand. I'll never, I will never not take sand as a set one closer. I How love sand in that lot. I was going to say, that in slot. Slot. <laughs> How often have you seen a set one closer? It was cheesy. It was cheesy. A lot, dude. Yeah. A lot. Okay. Even it, when we were a tab, they played that as the set one close. It is co- a very common slot for that. Very common. Okay. I really liked set two. I think by set two, they really picked it up, I want to say. like, And then by my favorite moment of this whole run, the uh, Death Don't Hurt Very Long into 2001, that's when like the first time when that show like got me. And I was like, all right, I'm like into this now. I was like being very critical of it before that point when they were yeah. teasing... Death on Heart very long in 2001. Yeah, but that's... Like, it, it, so what's interesting is that it took a fish moment to kind of get you to settle. Explain. So it was really sloppy. It was all over the place and you're kind of not into it. You're not allowed to kind of get with the flow, right? Surrender right. to the flow or whatever. Um, it wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't it took into something, it yet. It took something playful of fish that they're known for doing, which is teasing other of their own songs inside of a song. And like... If you want to start picking it apart to tease a song that they had just played is like, I don't know <laughs> if you're going to rank that from one to 10. It's pretty low on like fish being fish on their scale. Like they could have referenced like fucking <laughs> twist. <laughs> I don't know. Something from earlier. So again, like it took them a moment of like them being themselves where they did something that you like for them to do, which is tease themselves. Yeah, song for you to absorb into it, and honestly, that two thousand and one, you the said the entire other day was set, the best wait, one wait, of the best two thousand one. Because in the entire set, you could argu- arguably say that not only is it sloppy, but everything is a little slow, and I don't know why. Because sometimes okay. things are a little slow, but the ma- majority of the songs, not Spock's brain so much, but like everything after that, the twist, the free, the who loves the sun, and that everything's right. That everything's right is notable, noticeably slow. Yeah, like and st- fucking bad. And, and bad. They fucked up because a lot if you make that, that song any slower there's than like, it already there's like is, the, it gets worse. There's like the point at the like towards <laughs> the end of the song when they come back into the hook. They always yeah. do that. For that, everything's right. They like completely and totally fucked it up and it's like how are you fucking it up when it's that slow <laughs> like it's they missed the t- they missed the intro they, they missed it. coming back in with and the hook i think part of that is <laughs> everything and the whole first half of that set is slow so they're just like dragging so finally 2001 by the time you get there you're sitting at this spot in this beep, pocket beep, 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 and like page is being really Can you bring that up is that possible for yeah. us to listen to this right now yeah 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 it's just the mom- a moment of this whole run that sticks out in my mind. There are a couple of things, but this is specifically where I was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, it's all honest. Honestly, it's like other than sand, it's the first thing that really picks up. Like you enter set two with Soul Planet, Spanish Moon. I always wanted it this way. And Death that Soul Don't Planet. Hurt very no, song. that Soul Planet was pretty fucking rocking. That was a good. That was a good Soul Planet. I like again that in that slot. They jam on it. It's good. Uh. 
So both set so anyway, one and set two, you're saying they came out the gate being like, oh, here's a bust out, Spock's brain, and oh, here's a good song, Soul Planet, but then it kind of died after that. No, I'm saying I literally listened to the show from start to finish, and like the moment I was like, oh shit, this is really fucking cool, is when they were teasing Death on Hurt very long in 2001. I'm going to stop talking now because they're doing it. Not yet. Takes a second. No, listen. Just started doing it. Very long. He just started doing that. People are gonna start freaking do, out. Do, do, do. But see, you're talking about a moment where even the crowd is all doing what you did. We're just like, oh, this is fish being fish. Because it's what I, it's what I'm doing in my head. And when they start playing, mellow, when they start playing what I'm doing in my head, I'm just like, yeah. Exactly. So it gives you a moment to connect. Yeah. So. It's them loosening up. It's them starting to like undo the belt buckle. You know, you're like, oh, yeah. they're starting to like settle in. And then, you know, you have cool stuff on the way. Yeah. It's the dessert you shouldn't have ordered. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> so we've on to night two. A night that I actually got to fucking like witness. <laughs> In real time, IRL. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and the fucking song they opened with was You Enjoy Myself. So that's yeah. pretty fucking nuts. It's been a while <laughs> since they've done that. Uh, it's, a, it's the first of the show opener since 2003. Yeah, and the crazy. interesting thing about that is Spock's Brain the night before was the first time they had played that song since 2003. Huh. So is there a subliminal they're harking back to 2003 there? I don't know. <laughs> There could be a whole separate podcast where we have like <laughs> conspiracy, conspiracy theories, theories about fish. <laughs> I think that's 100% doable. If we had the soundboard right now, I would do the X-Files theme. Seriously? <laughs> because there are a lot of theories. <laughs> there was a, there's a lot of things. I could, I could off the top of my head say three <laughs> things right now about just this run. But anyway. Okay. So you enjoy myself out the gate. Fucking amazing. Very, very cool. Very bold. Uh, before the show started, when they were all standing on stage, Trey went to every single member and said that they were going to play this, and all of them started like giggling. So I knew it was going to be something ridiculous. Oh yeah, and it was ridiculous. Is this the the proje- projected simulcast that we watched? No, no, this is at my my casa. Oh, on TV. Mi okay, casa. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. really feeling the simulcast. You bored. weren't uh there for the whole f- most of the f- set First one set, yeah um then they went to turtle in the clouds which was great because they were keeping up the whole like trey mike choreography thing going down yeah they actually they did really fuck that, that up a lot oh, but yeah. they fucked up that dance a lot they did not fuck up the uh trampolines i've never seen them fuck up the trampolines i really like this set a lot I thought it was good. I thought they were like shaking off I'm the cobwebs. I'm glad I missed it because they had the no man's no man's land and emotional rescue back to back. You and saw no emotional and no rescue man. and you hated it because yeah. Mike sings it. And it is kind of like a weaker like Rolling Stones song. So like, I don't know. There yeah, are so how, many other songs I would like them to see. 46 days after doing You Enjoy Myself, Turtle <laughs> in the Clouds, 46 days, then you go to no man and no man's land. Like that's so fucking flat falls so fucking flat i like tube i love tube i thought that was really well placed in the first set and then shade is like a sing-songy like sway back and forth song that's your pull the ripcord song for sure yeah. and then i hate saw it again and i hate that they close the, the set screaming with it. yeah they scream at the end 
sword again. Oh. Yeah, it's too like much, and I just hated that they closed with it's that. Fishman at his best, man. Set your soul free. Open set two of night two, and the first one was Soul Planet. So there, with the, there's speculation. The there's third one crossover. was going to do something with Soul, yeah, like crossover. Soul Shakedown oh Party my God. or. Into Mercury. How are you feeling about Mercury Two 20 minute these songs days? Back to back. I don't. How are you feeling about Mercury I don't, these days? I, I'm pretty sure you said you were coming around. Point. No, it's no, a get no, to the point. no, it's no, no. For me, I'm. I'm very sure you said that you were coming around to it. I'm so sure you said you were coming days around to it. longer than your year. I hate that part. That's the only part I fucking Tomb hate. Tomb of the Requiem. Oh, my God. I want to murder. I want to pop. Yeah, that's not good. I want to you know pop why it's someone's not good? eyeballs. Because they me. just keep seeing the same thing over and over and over. It's way too repetitive yeah. and way too long. Well, I agree. But that's one tiny part of that song. I don't song. care. I want to literally take my thumbs and pop someone's eyeballs like they're bubble wrap. When that happens. Well, I thought we could have started an interesting conversation because no. I thought you were getting into Mercury. I just recently have discovered Slave to the Traffic Light and I'm like loving that yeah, song Yeah, it's so now. funny because you used to shit on me for liking real hard. that song. I used to shit on everyone yeah. for liking that song real hard. <laughs> I'll still say that like it makes me a little nauseous when it's like Slave. I hate. There's like, there's like a lot of that song that I don't picture, like. Picture yourself rolling up on a traffic light. But and it just, good. you could have caught the yellow, but you didn't. You just missed it by a second. So you're coming to a, a slow. See like, the cities. A slow lurking stop. Zoo. And you're just like going, slay <laughs> to the traffic light. Like, fuck. <laughs> Tell me that doesn't just resonate with you. Because <laughs> yeah. you're just a slave to this stupid fucking light. I am liking that song a lot now. So I welcome it. It's a new song that I welcome instead of Loathe. We all obey these lights. No one knows why. And then kind of it fizzles out for me. Possum, Sanity, Walk Away. They really butchered that walk away to the point where like it was not a good completion to a show for me. I was like, oh. And then more, I don't even want to give it its credit because it sucks. That song sucks. I enjoy that that song. song. And... I don't mind a more closer. No, it's terrible. Let's just jump to this, uh, this night, night three. The curtain with punch you in the eye. This was projected on my projector. This is the simulcast that I actually enjoyed a lot. Uh-huh. Um, Why well, was that? Uh, Cause it's on my projector and it's fucking dope when it's, it's different to my projector. Bro. <laughs> the show is the worst of the three, arguably. No way. Set two of night three was good. It's the best. The best there is. Uh, yes. Like skip, skip over the whole. Look at the first set. It's just destructive. Curtain with punch when the eye blaze on destiny unbound, and I like that song. And it's bad. I, got, I can admit that it's bad, and I still like it. Most events aren't planned. I also hate that song. Divided sky is great. Steam is great. Chocolate search is great. So they start picking up right there. Divided sky. Yeah. And then all the arrows obviously read into. So for the whole second set, they basically were just playing music and not stopping. Oh, they just didn't take a break. Never. They just went one, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's Which is cool. nuts. That's great. 
it's great because it keeps your senses up and like the tension up and like you there's up without even realizing that's yeah, happening. Yeah, there's no chance to like breathe and right. reprive. Yeah. Dude, that fucking encore is insane. It's a six song encore. The whole last night was insane. Yeah, Kung. When's the last time they played that? Uh, not so long ago. I don't have the facts. You have the facts. I don't yeah. have the last time I played Kung. Uh, That's like an ancillary game hen song. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to 12, 29, 2016. And then Madison Square Garden again, 12, 31. Two New Year's runs, but both like four years apart and then three years apart from. What does shipwreck quotes mean? Martian monster sung with shipwreck quotes. Sleeping monkey with shipwreck quotes. What does that mean? Do you not know? Oh, boy. Audio samples used in the performance. That's probably what. Copy that. Yeah, it's probably because you remember he was hitting the screaming and stuff that he normally doesn't hit. Copy that, copy that. Copy yeah. that. So really, best of this entire run was night three set two into the encore. That's a whole separate show in and of itself. That was basically like a three set show. Yeah. And do you think they did that in response to night two and they ended very, very early? Yeah. I would imagine they got shit for that. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but I'm glad they did that because of what they did on night two. Night two was whack. And it was fucking more. It was so shit. Do you think they, they are like, do you think that they, <laughs> they have to listen to feedback, right? They have to have like general feedback of like the overall vibe of what like their audience and fans were feeling like. Yeah. I'm sure it was astoundingly for night two that it they was really, early. really short and fucking slow show. Yeah. Like a sleeper of a show. I don't know. I I, I would like to believe it. Have you point ever seen a six so song encore? No. Is that that cannot even be considered an encore? That could I be considered even, a, like a set. Third that's set. a set. Yeah. Six songs is definitely a set. Yeah. So what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> that was the one moment in the entire weekend where I was like, damn, I wish I was there just for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean the encore isn't that great. The Sleeping Monkey's great. Tweezer Reprise is great. Everything else is like, Burp. Martian Monster, you love that song. That's like yeah. a funky beat. That's what I'm saying. They're, then it, they came out with it really good. So let's just recap this run a little bit. I'm glad we was took there a anything, break was before there anything, we talk about it because I think there anything, try, what? If I think if I tried to talk about this like too soon, I think I would have shat all over it. I think I appreciate it that I sat on it for like a week. Really? Yeah. This is yeah, I guess what we're we find the diamonds. A week ago. Yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. that it feels like forever ago. It yeah. feels like I need to see fish again. <laughs> that scratch will never go away. Oh my god. It's crazy though. I like Ultra. to rewatch. You wouldn't want to rewatch these. Can we at least just talk about one thing that happened night three that I haven't seen anybody talk about that Trey fell over on, on the, the ground? ground? Yeah. Like on he was like bending down or something, he just like straight whoop, like fell over. Yeah. It's fucking scary. Never seen him fall over before. Yeah. That was funny. Then he was laughing and jumping up and down and trying to play it off like a cat that gets nervous or upset or embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. He's jumping up and down. Um, yeah, normally when I try to listen to a show like immediately after, I get like super like critical to a point where it's like I kinda need to like sit and listen to it in its entirety. And I did that with this show this time where I like I saw the second 
set of the first show and basically everything after as it happened. But then afterwards, I just listened to it from top to bottom again. And then after doing that, I was just like, oh, like 2001 is really the only good thing about set one. Like I slowly like kind of just picked it apart after listening to it like three times through. And I just only listened to those things. Do you take notes on shows when you listen to them? Um, No. You take mental notes when you listen to them? No. All right. So your takeaway from this run was. Uh, you needed a little time to sit with it. And you found things you enjoyed more. Yeah. Are I you happy that I, I had criticisms? I'm happy you had criticisms because I'm convinced that you put fish on this hyper pedestal sometimes. But I do. Yeah. And they'll live there forever. That's fine. And I think I came off my pedestal for once and was like, I think I can appreciate some shit about this show. This is one of the best 2001s I've ever seen. Some shit going on Why do on you there. say that? Uh, because they teased the death don't hurt very long. But it was also like, even though everything was especially slow, that set, that 2001 made that slowness of overall tempo work for them. And it let them sit in this groove that was really cool. And it was really page heavy with his little like keyboard tags and shit. It was just smooth. Silky. They dangled the Santos till the very end. Yeah, it's great. I don't think there'll ever be a room where they don't play that song. <laughs> okay, it literally shows where they can't play because they played it like the one venue before. No way, runs that runs over. Now we got to get into what? They're not going to play it once a run. That's insane. Once a tour. And once every eight shows is generally the consensus. So there has to be That's shows a that go conspiracy by. Conspiracy theory. Okay, great. All right, well, I'm going to let us actually listen to all of the 2001 for our set break, if you don't mind. I don't. Okay, great. Well, we'll see you guys after this short 15-minute break.
Hi everyone, welcome back to God's Brew. I feel like we should talk about brewing more on this podcast because it's called God's Brew. Yeah. The podcast where two friends talk about fish and beer. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about about some beer now that we've talked about Riviera Maya. (laughs) Talk about Spanish beer. Let's talk let's talk about let's talk about this topic that I want to talk about. Because uh you and I are in very unique positions to talk about this. I'm an individual who works inside the beer industry and you are a consumer on the outside of the beer industry. Yeah. Apart from brewing your own beer, being yeah. a home brewer. That's your unique lens, which you usually look through. But I'm asking you to dial that back and just talk about this from a purely consumer standpoint. Something that I always think about is this idea of brand loyalty, right? Your eyebrows just fluttered yeah cool so the whole thing is now that the industry is getting uh more and more saturated it's this idea of like how do you get consumers the thousands and thousands and thousands of people drinking beer and who drink beer on the regular to go back to your product to go back to the same product to go back to the same brand i don't know because a lot of breweries are making a ton of styles. So that's a hard question to answer. I, it depends on your business model. I would say I'm talking to you as a consumer, oh, as a consumer <laughs> uh, for me, I set that up. I, I want it to be like the, sh- the shit that I don't know the shit that I always love that they make stays. So if they like grim right now has what six beers out right now, seven, you can no. get on draft. How many Wrong. beers do they have? A on? bunch, like twenty-five. Twenty-five in yeah, total. A ton. So I mean, how many? Ton. Of, how many of those do you think will end up staying? They're rotating breweries, so that's irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. Let's let's change the exercise. Let's change the exercise. You go into a you go into a grocery store, right? You walk into a grocery store down the street from you. You're walking down the bureau. What do you, what are you thinking in your brain? If you're if you're there for to purchase something, what are you thinking in your brain? Beer? Yeah. You're there with the purpose of purchasing a beer, purchasing some Why beer. Why am I drinking this beer? What am I doing? I don't know. Just you're trying to make a decision. No, I'm but trying that's to get to my, that's like driving my entire decision. What am I about to do? So you base the beer on where you're taking it. Yes. What am okay, I doing past that. Say it doesn't matter. Say it could be anywhere. Say it could be a barbecue, say it could be a football party, literally anything. <laughs> what are you going to buy? <laughs> uh, That's in, so you're saying that is the automatic driving decision maker for you. Yes. Not the quantity. Is it purely quantity? After what I'm doing and yeah. like what I would want to drink to be doing that, it yeah. just goes straight to price. Okay. So you are heavily kind of driven by price. If not by, I'm saying if you're taking away the one thing that drives my decision, which is what I'm doing and like what I want to be drinking while I'm doing that. Yeah. And you strip that away from me. Yeah. Then the next place my brain goes is price. So, but what you want to be drinking when you're doing said thing. So that is something different. That is you pick beer based on style. I pick beer based on what I would want to be drinking when I was doing that thing. Like, it would be different. Like, if I was eating something, it'd be different. If I was, like, <laughs> taking yeah, it to yes. a friend's barbecue, it'd okay. be different. If it were... 
<laughs> right, but what you're saying in a lot of words that I'm saying very succinctly is you purchase beer based on style. If you are going to a barbecue, you want something you're going to drink, drink and eat with barbecue. If you're going to a party Burgers, that somebody is yeah. hosting uh, that involves football, you want a lighter, lower ABV beer that you can drink a lot of. Well, if there's is a that lot correct? of people there, I want it to be cheap. I want to be able to provide. All right. So, so now that's the secondary overriding thing, which is what you were talking about is yeah. price. But that, it, the, but the, what we're doing influences that too. It's already activated. That gate has already already been activated. It's opened. Okay. So if I'm going to a Super Bowl party, there's going to be a ton of people there, and I yeah. also want to get something that's bang for everybody's buck. Okay, that's a very specific <laughs> instance. Let's just let's. That's a very very keyhole. I'm trying to like understand how consumers purchase beer. We've um, done this exercise before, and it's been like how you pick a beer at a bar. Okay. Which is something different. High ABV. And I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how you do that. We've had that conversation already before. <laughs> so I'm talking more like a actually purchasing beers. Um, And I guess maybe, I mean, like that's not something that I really do a lot of. I don't do it that often and I don't do a lot of it. Yeah. So I think you, like you are kind of in the same boat where you're saying your mind goes to an event like if you're going somewhere or meeting people you want to bring no but like even i i'm more i'm a more advanced beer drinker you would say at this point i'm not your average consumer but like that also influences my decision right like i'm not going to take a really nice bottle of beer to a fucking super bowl party no one's going to care right your audience like that's what i'm saying like product with eventually like being a consumer is still just trying to figure out like what you would get for yourself like that's a lot of buying anything right you're not just gonna like if you don't like chocolate you're not gonna keep buying chocolate chip cookies you're gonna figure something else out and then you're gonna keep searching for different things and eventually you're gonna find one that satiates you know the cookie realm for you that has no chocolate in it okay and then is that gonna be the cookie you're gonna buy forever after that no when you narrow it down is that gonna be your it's it's like a classic right it's the one you go to all the time so like for me it's like a fucking vanilla wafer because it's so the first lame fucking but cookie okay I could eat. yeah okay whatever or like oatmeal <laughs> cookies like they're great right and like i love them and they're classic but like if i'm gonna eat a cookie i want something delicious and weird and cool and fresh all those things are very different I think you're trying to articulate that if you want something and you want it to be really good and you want it to like trigger that pleasure center of your brain and give you those memories that you had when you first had those, you want it to be good, high quality, and you want it to give you that sensation that it once did. I think what I'm trying to say is, is that from a brewing perspective, if I wanted to think about making beer for the consumer, I would want to think about it as like making like Michelin star food, right? (laughs) it'd be like i would want things to stick that people love and that will people like will like and rate highly and keep those like floating around but then like i also want to rotate seasonally right so you're talking at the end of the day now about quality yeah cool so the beers we're drinking right now are like my go-to like anytime anytime like i need to like bring beer anywhere sierra nevada is like my go-to and I don't know why that is. It's just because like I've drank so much of it and it's always been just like the easy thing that'll please everybody. Yeah. I think everybody likes Sierra Nevada for the most part. Cool. So I, that's what I'm saying. I had to make a decision today. What would you have picked? Mm, for loyalty. For brand, brand, loyalty. Brand, yeah, loyalty, brand loyalty. I would have to 
go to flipping Whole Foods and get Allagash, I guess. Because it's what you drank a lot of at one point. It's the one if you told me, like, I have to drink a lot of it and it's just for me and nobody else has to drink it. So how often do you go back and purchase Allagash? Rarely. That's why when I go there, I immediately start ordering it and drink it till I don't want it anymore. I When we go to Maine, I would say I drink so much Maine beer that by the time we leave, I don't want to drink beer for like three weeks. <laughs> but like that's the fun part of it. You like experiencing the your favorite beer in its most purest sense. If you could get a TV dinner of a Michelin star restaurant meal, would you do mm, it? Of course. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Wouldn't you? <laughs> no. It's convenience. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? That's like that fucking bullshit in the fucking supermarket. The White Castle burgers, it's not the same as going to fucking White Castle. No, no, it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same. No, so that's what I'm saying. This Sierra Nevada, while it's a classic to me at this point, it's more like the TV dinner. Interesting. And that's interesting okay. because they opened a huge brewery on the East Coast now to like get all their beer up and down the East Coast. But like that's what it tastes to like. I don't know. See, I it's funny you say that because <laughs> I like to check in with beers that I used to drink or haven't drank in a while. I love to do that, like re-familiarize myself with a beer and a style and something that I haven't had in a really long time. That's like yeah. a big part of like living and working in the industry is you always say to somebody, oh, like what's the last time you had you know this beer because people have such staunch opinions that are like immovable on certain things and it's beers that they haven't had in years and years yeah you should always revisit right so i like to check in on sierra nevada pale ale and you know what it's funny you said the tv dinner thing which i think is kind of like a slight i tasted this beer and i was like man this beer is a lot better than i remember I think that's like McDonald's shit where like Whoppers start change or uh, quarter pounders with cheese start tasting the same everywhere you get them. And you're like, oh, this is like really reliable. And I know this will always be really good. But again, I think that's when you hit that level. When you hit that level right. that like you, you're you drinking a Sierra Nevada in fucking the Keys of Florida. And yeah. it's the same as it would be if you're in fucking Alaska, which is the same as it would be if you're in fucking Hawaii or in Puerto Rico, anywhere that's not the continental United States. And you're like, wow, this beer tastes the same. I think you have McDonald's. <laughs> so again, it's about quality and expectation of that I quality. I think it's about like being able and i think that's why places like grim and and certain like rotating places are so desired because it's like going to a michelin star restaurant where things are always changing but the good things also kind of always like stay around to an extent (laughs) they don't though so that's my question to you if you go to a brewery synonymous with forever change and forever rotation, how can you guarantee that quality is going to be there? You can't. And actually, those are the people that miss out on like overall like growth the most because most people want to be able to drink the same thing that they've had and just be like, I like that. I want to go get it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Your average consumer just wants to be able to be like, I know that's a 10 and I don't have to think about it and I want to drink that. Correct. Yeah. So now let's talk about the flip side of that. Okay. Let's talk about this brewery, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, who's been around since the 80s. You can go to this Pale Ale and you can say, I can go to a bodega. I mean, and that's not true because hopefully quality is being monitored. But, you know, it's all about the person selling it at that point. Yeah. If it's cold, if it's hot, if it's old, if it's new, whatever. But yeah. y- you already have that in your head. Okay, I can go anywhere. I can go grab a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and I know it's going to taste relatively the same and it's going to be like a go-to because it's good quality. Yeah. On the flip side of that coin, what would it take you to get to try a new product released from that classic brewery? 
Is that something you do, and how often would you do that? I think once you start making McDonald's, you realize that you're just making McDonald's. I think you cross a line at some point, and you realize that you're doing something different. Like, if it's not part of your program. Like, I think of big breweries, like bigger breweries that I've visited, but they do specialty shit, like Avery. Like, super huge, massive facility. But, like, it's always been a part of their design, I guess. It just, it's not, like... Anheuser Busch trying to be like, oh, try this new dark lager that we're making now. Like, I don't know. Okay. So I find those different. I, I guess it's weird. Different. And I guess maybe it's about perception of like the ability to, to brew well and rotate, the ability to brew a ver- variety of different styles. I think you cross a line again where you start questioning your business model and being like, why am I in this market? And you have to ask yourself as the consumer, like what you're allowing that person to sell you right at some point you as a brewery say i want my beer to cross this state line and at this point i want us to be at this place and i at this point i i want to just like i want us to be up and down the east coast at this point i want us to be like all the way to the mississippi at this point i want us to be coast to coast like you start making these huge like (laughs) expansion ideas and that's why you need those classic beers to kind of stay on rotation like you need those beers to fucking make money <laughs> okay it's I'm not, a business I'm not, model thing. yeah i'm not arguing that and i understand what you're saying but i'm not talking to you as the owner of a brewery i'm not talking to you as a marketer of a brewery i'm literally talking to you to get your opinion as a consumer that's the only opinion that i'm interested in getting from you at this point <laughs> how you make choices as a consumer you think about what you just said when you're walking down an aisle. Oh, this brewery must be uh, expanding, so they must need to make a new beer, and uh, this is probably why they're, it's coming out of their expansion. If I hear that a brewery <laughs> just underwent a changeover of hands, I'd expect... A, a, head, a head brewer. Yes. Okay. I would expect the beer to be different. Huh. If why? I, because the person who's been making it for that much amount of time has now left. There's going to be an influx. There's still going to be a recipe. There's going to be recipes. someone for someone to follow, but like someone's not going to know that equipment as well as the person before them. So there's going to be a swing where that beer is going to be kind of weird. I think that's not true. I think it's, I like think it's the crazy shifting that of the hands. you think that. You don't think if a chef moves from one restaurant to the next that the food doesn't take a swing? Like you have to figure out if, like that's what I'm saying. It's fucking the same shit. It's the same thing. Being the <laughs> creator of said thing is just as important. Who's and making thinking it about it from that point of view? Yeah, think about it like it's food. Again, that's what I'm saying. I do think, think about, about it like, like it's, it's food. You have to. It is food. That's, <laughs> but that's when your mind shifts as a consumer. That's when you start shifting away from your like common consumer. Like I'm not just buying this to get drunk or I'm not just buying this because it's cheap or I'm not buying this because it's socially acceptable for me to buy this. Like those are people like there's a guy who walks into the lower East side into a fucking whole foods and goes, Oh man, they have fucking grim cans here. I'll pay eight 50 for them. Like that's dope. (laughs) Like that probably happens and it's probably like $12 a can. How much is fucking Grim can? I don't know. First of all, there's no beer store on the Lower East Side anymore. Oh, yeah. You just dated yourself hardcore. Secondly, try this Brood IPA from Sierra Nevada. <laughs> so I want this on the record. This is the first Brood IPA I've tried. Yeah. I get very like uh, old 
old person, new technology type thing when uh, any brewery is trying to get me to try a new style. And I think it's going to be like a cliche style. This is weird. It's like really like trying to taste. You've light. tried other brute IPAs though. Is that correct? Yeah, but it was one and it was, it was one other one and it was not brewed very well. Okay. So what do we think of this brute IPA? Uh, definitely is like dry. Has that like. It's ultra light. Yeah. This is starting to get to that fucking conversation you were trying to have with me the other day about fucking non-alcoholic beer. Gets me to that point where I'm just like, what are you doing? (laughs) So when you start asking yourself why you're trying to call it beer still. This is 6.2%. I know, because they let it go past. Bone dry, balanced bitterness, bright pop of citrus flavor. So that's for your it's intriguing as it is drinkable. So that that beer style right there is for the person who's just trying to get drunk and wants something light. I think this beer bottle sitting in front of me was brewed because there is a part of Sierra Nevada that knows their need to do things like this to stay relevant. Yeah. To appeal to the whole half of the consumer base that only wants the rotating things. I think that's things. a bomb in the market. I think that's dangerous, and I think the dudes are going to start drinking that and get fucking hammered. <laughs> I think consumers are done. <laughs> you think undereducated consumers are dumb? Yeah. But that's can be said for anything, any consumer in any market. Yeah, but it's really hard for people to start giving a shit about beer. It's really interesting how like people are I, just like I, whatever. I just I constantly think of like what it is and what like touchstones touch people and consumers that get people going back to be loyal to a brand. I think when someone goes into anything and they're like, I'm not going to like this. This is going to be terrible. And you can turn their perspective. That's impactful. So I think beers that like stick out to me and I can immediately go back to, like you're saying you do with Sierra Nevada, uh, Sierra Nevadas or things that do that. Where you're like, oh man, like uh, that's reciprocal for Bissell Brothers for me. Right. It's the beer that made me like hoppy beer. So it's like I can go back to that as like a gateway to a like a time where I was going through something. J3PO, who, you know, came up in the 90s when he first started homebrewing. Sierra Nevada was his fucking first like, holy shit, I could get fucking craft beer in fucking Gainesville, Florida. Like, this is insane. Like, it's. Yeah, because moments. at one point, Sierra Nevada Pillow was like the craftiest thing you could get. Right. And Rogue. He loves fucking Rogue. But that's what I'm saying. It's time stamped into his like existence of where he fell. Right. Into and that and that so timeline. that's and that's my point. That's that is why. Why doesn't he drink Sierra Nevada Pillow anymore? He does. When you go over there to his apartment every now and then there's yeah. a Sierra Nevada, some kind of six pack sitting there. And yeah. that's my point. Cool. Who, how how was that consumer captured? What did they do to get him? Or did they do anything? It, what you're saying is it more just associative? Is it associative it's about trust. a certain time in your no, life? It's trust. You build trust. At the end with of the, the day, consumer. you think it's trust. Yeah. I think the hardest thing that anyone does with selling any product ever is making the consumer feel like they bought something that they believe in. That's interesting. You know, if I buy a fucking beer that like tastes like ass and then I find out that the brewer was serving it to me because he had, he couldn't fucking dump a batch of beer, I'm going to be really pissed off. <laughs> right? 
What if you t- go to a brewery, a brewery you love, and you taste a beer and it's great, and then you taste a second beer and it's horrible? Uh, that's a good question. What do you walk out of that experience feeling like? I don't the know. The roll of the dice didn't roll the right way. I think <laughs> you have to. The problem with beer and and all these breweries showing up all the time is that you just have to be in a constant state of trying shit, and it's hard because how often do you want to keep getting burned by shit? So you have to travel and try it out. You got to go around. Like that's like a, a buddy who I hope we have on the podcast soon um, is in Pennsylvania. And like he has a large number of breweries popping up all around him. But he says most of them, he dumps down the drain. So it's like, how many times do you get burned by that? When you start going, I have to drive somewhere outside of this area in order to start getting good beer or access to good beer. Like, at what point does it become a labor of love? (laughs) And I think that's when you either have the passion to, like, be drinking craft beer enough or you just love something enough. Someone sparked a a taste in you. Something just just resonated with you so right. You had a beer that just really encapsulated your mood, and you were like, shit, I need to have this all the time. So I'll go drive to that place, even if it's a little far away, and I'll go get it. I've never done that for beer. I would I've stood in line. Yeah, I've I've done that. That's what I'm saying. I've found beer that makes me go, I really fucking want that. I think I drink a lot of Sierra Nevada Pillow because like during my youth and like my college years when I was going to like shows in New York, like shows all the time, live music, Sierra Nevada Pillow would be a common like craft option at all of those venues. I was drinking Keystone. But I'm just that's that's not (laughs) good. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. You know what you know at that point. So what you're saying is that you had a very early introduction to Sierra Nevada. You already had the mindset that you were going to drink craft and you've been growing up with it as a beer drinker forever. So you drinking this brewed IPA, I would imagine that your window to like understanding it is pretty wide open because you go, I trust them and I believe that they're going to try to give me some solid representation of what they're selling me. Yes. So I'll buy it. Yes. Right. So, but you are saying exactly what I think is that you have to have that touchstone. You have to have that or OG, you have to have that quality synonymous with your name to get someone and go to repeatedly drink your weirder things that you come out with again and again. Right. So at the end of the day, you can even be a mad scientist and maybe hit one out of 10, but you need to hit one out of, you have to keep putting out good something. Right. For sure. Again, there are places right now where you're saying like Grim, where I thought it was eight and I thought that was a lot. You're telling me it's 25. They're pumping 25 beers right now. Not all of them are going to be good. It's like at least 24. There's 12 IPAs and pills and there's there's like 12 sour and dark beers. But because of our market, how huge it is and how like uh, much of a fucking pedestal they've built themselves up on people will gladly take a shotgun shot of all their beer and be like we just hope one out of these pellets fucking stick (laughs) see but i think you're talking about now a third segment of a brand that identifies itself with constant rotation yeah there are brands now that are identifying themselves as just breweries that constantly rotate and that to me is so goddamn funny because I remember literally this was probably like six, seven years ago. One of the first times I had been up to a brewery called the Fiddlehead in Vermont. It's right outside of Burlington. I heard that their whole concept, their whole like P 
P.S. de resistance for this brewery was that they were never going to brew the same beer twice. And I remember having this conversation and the person I was having the conversation with, both of us were just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. That was our initial reaction to this like seven years ago. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? If you make something, you make it well and people love it. Why would you not make it again? Yeah. Why would you take the risk of going to make something different that could potentially be worse and mar your reputation when you could just go back and make the thing that everybody loved? I think if ultimately your desire is to open up the beer market and have people travel to the product, then that's ultimately what you're subscribing to is that beer rotates and it only comes out at certain times. I think that's what you start doing. I mean, the scene was doing that a long time ago. Winter, summer, spring, fall seasonals. Yeah. Seasonals are becoming something that like don't exist anymore. in the main beer scene, people don't buy seasonals anymore. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, because seasonals <laughs> used to be things that used to just only come out during that time, like Oktoberfest and Correct. shit, and it got you boring. You only get Pumpkin it during that time. Got boring. Like, Correct. All that shit got boring real fast, but that's what I'm saying. If you're moving to a rotating seasonal, like that, you're just adding more depths of layers to shit, right? Sure. So really, at the end of the day, what you should be saying is that you should be following the seasons because you're following the freshness of ingredients, and you should be buying local, and you should be doing the best of what your fucking region has to offer, which will offer diversity across regions and blah 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 like we can go as into that as you want but again it's the model that you're trying to fit what you subscribe to it's ultimately what you're asking yourself so again if you get to a size like avery or like victory or like these bigger macros or bigger micro sized breweries you start going well what keeps the lights on things have to stay around because we have to start pumping these so that we can pay for those (laughs) right it's when you start stretching your fucking kingdom out man they're rome (laughs) stretching it all out makes it way more complicated to hold that territory i think that that has become the model that's expected now is if you expand you're expected to come out with more stuff uh it's variety it's synonymous with expansion now and no if we see any trend it's that when you expand your shit actually gets simpler because you have to you think so yeah you have to stretch it and like yeah things have to like become flagship things have to be every single time i've heard recently of a brewery expanding it's they're adding to their space they're keeping the original space and the original space becomes a sour and barrel aging spot yeah so that becomes their more experimental i can have fun with this I can play around. But that's spot. based on the model. That's if you want to get a bunch of fluters and go that route. There are places that fluters. just fluters, fluters, fluters. There's no L. Fluters, Foder. Foder. You literally <laughs> just reminded me of the dude in the new Stella commercial. That's like Stella our toes. <laughs> it's like how you are with um, beer. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm saying is you could go the other route and just expand your size and go like it depends on like your production. Model. You're yeah. saying you're talking about production. It depends levels. on your, Yeah, that's what fucking what's their faces did carton in New Jersey. They just expanded their capacity to produce like. So there'd be more physical 
cans represented across more retailers. Yeah, I'm and sure bars. If we looked at that fucking sour place in uh, Austin, Texas that we got to visit a couple years ago. Yeah, some owl, some like blue owl or purple yeah. owl or something. I'm owl. sure a lot of their expansion <laughs> space went into fluters and. Oh my god! <laughs> stop saying fluter. You don't like fluters. They're people who play the flute. Fluters. <laughs> fluters. <laughs> you. I mean, this is something. This is something you need to think about. If it's if you have the desire and the dream and the drive to sell your product to somebody else, yeah, or present your product to somebody yeah, else, you're It's something right. you have to it's think of. It's a question. Of. It's a massive question. You your have to perception, ask how you want people to view, so you, how you get people to continually me, buy your right, products. So if you were it's a interesting, brewer, it's so, psychology. So yeah. So mm. if you were a brewer. And you hate brewing, but, you know, try to pretend that you are a brewer, a.k.a. you are a chef that makes Me? liquid. Yeah, you're a brewer. Okay. How would you want your beer to be, dis- like, would you want people to buy it seasonally? Would you want people I would to come travel to ex- you? Like, extreme what? 100% control over it, and I would want to present it in a very specific way, not farther than I could reach. So you would probably brew just for, like, like a tavern. My, yeah, like 100%. A small little 100%. tavern. 100%. Yeah. And your beer is only served at that tavern. Yep, one hundred percent. Yeah. See, how many lines at the tavern are yours? Two. Maybe. Yeah, as many as I want. Okay. All of them, like four, six. Who knows? Who cares? I would only brew for yeah, like one place. Yeah, just a tavern. My beer would never leave that place. Yeah, they'd have no to cans? come there w- to get it can from I ever me. Get cans and take it home because I maintain most control over wh- the way that beer is presented. Can I get cans and take it home? Uh no. Ever. Maybe I can never get probably not package. if you're if now you're talking about expansion, which I wouldn't want to do. No. I'm just asking you ultimately if I have to always come to the tavern yeah, to always. drink your beer. Yes, I can't. That's get what it makes it a landmark, can, and that's something that's going to stick around rather than the 18th other fucking rotating can, can next to my can on the shelf. Fill a growler? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all right, it stays tight. Okay. Will you eventually, uh, uh, if the I'll tavern, open another the, location? I was gonna say if the tavern does location. well, would you open it somewhere else? Yeah, all I'll right, have go, another location. Cool. So now you open the tavern somewhere else. So the yeah. first tavern, let's say, is around <laughs> the tri-state area here. Now you're gonna open a tavern in Florida. Nope, I wouldn't do that. Shut, shut your mouth. You're gonna I open wouldn't the, do that. You're gonna open a tavern in Florida. I would do that if I could appoint my best friend do, to run it. Do your styles do what you make does everything change for, for down there yes florida i would make gozes and berliner vices okay and hefeweizen so you're now you're now you're saying you're geographically specific correct your style specific your seasonally specific uh i'm not gonna in, sell fucking imperial stouts in florida what's what's influencing how you purchase your ingredients for making all these beers i don't know i've never bought ingredients to make a beer price oh price is probably a big one yeah are you like sourcing locally are you, i don't like, care about price you get i it? care about like quality Breyer. and i care about yeah you just want your briar weiss fucking your bryce fucking whatever the fuck they're called bags siege fucking bryce malts bryce malts yeah if i'm doing something belgian yeah wireman if i'm doing something <laughs> german okay <laughs> this all matters but that's what i'm saying it's as deep down the rabbit hole as you want to go that's why I'm not talking about that. But I'm t- literally talking about to a consumer's perception of a brand, like how that they get that person to 
tractor beam in and buy your product on the shelf compared to other things. I ultimately think at the end of the day, it's the decision of choice. What do you call it all the time? Like paradox the, of yeah, paradox of choice. choice yeah. You present me with several choices, and it's just like I I always instinctually try to pick pick the least worst one out of all of them. And then while doing that, there's like a million things you have to factor into your brain. Yeah, but I fucking had a beer the other day that tasted like a blueberry muffin that no one liked, and I just liked that it tastes like a blueberry muffin. Like sometimes you just find beer. Right. That so let's like talk about that instance. It was at a it was at a beer festival. You continually yeah. went back to the same booth, even yeah. though there were like uh, two hundred booths. It? Greater Greater Nation. What was it? Great Nation. Yeah. No, it's Great Notion. Like having a notion to do something. Great Notion Brewing. They're from Oregon. Yeah, Portland, Oregon. It's like uh, a New York. Already. On my shit list. Dude, they made a fucking beer that smelled and tastes like blueberry muffins. Second thing that automatically makes me not want to like them. See? I guess people just look for different things. I... But so, again, bringing us back to that story, what made you go back to that table four times, five times, six times, and there were a hundred other breweries you didn't even try? Uh, We went to, what, that Hudson Valley Threes event that one time? Yes. And they had a bunch of beers that were like their milkshake beers and they yes. were all like labeled to taste like a bunch of different shit, right? I want to say they probably hit maybe 50-50 out of what they were claiming and what it actually tasted like. And I want to say that the beer that I had that tasted like blueberry muffins 100% tasted like blueberry muffins. Right. So again, you're, you're bringing it full circle. It's all about trust. And you're trusting you're, someone yeah. to deliver what they're telling you they're going to deliver. And if for you, it's like spot on, you're like, holy shit, these people are like fucking geniuses because they can make something that they're spot. telling me that yeah. they can. They make. nailed it. If you can. I would just it, say it's very literal, definite, like literal. I'm saying being a brewer is like being a like uh, a diver in the Olympics. Like once you hit that one routine that you can hit all the time and yeah. it'll get you that one like really good score, you yeah. do that for a little while. Yeah. And on the side, you're like trying other fucking <laughs> things out, right? You got to like up the routine and make it more complicated. Sure. But you're not going to put that shit out. Flourishes. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to you're not going to substitute out the weaker shit for the harder shit until the harder shit hits. Right. And you can hit it all the time. And you're like, "All right, I know I can do that 100% of the time every time." Now it's in the routine. And now sure. I'm going to up the routine, up the routine, up the routine. Sure. So you got to keep shit around that's going keep the routine solid but you also have to be like mixing in like new shit sure. that's pushing the envelope sure and that's a very good analogy there's like a, a, a there's a balance to that and a waltz to that that a lot of breweries ignore so like again you have grim where it's like a fucking shotgun they're just like we're trying new shit all the time we're not sure what's gonna happen and it's just like people don't care because you're just trying new shit all the time and they'll just try it and it's Safe to say that, yes, they are the best brewery in that area. They're better than Interboro. They're better than KCBC. Their product is overall better, even with that shotgun blast. But there's something to be said about taking that spread. So some people will subscribe to that. Some people won't. Some people will follow them. They have the clout. They can do that, right? So then right. you have places like Other Half, which are also like that. Well, As long as we make an IPA, people will drink it. But if, again, how many people are going to go over to Other Half to like wait in line for a lager. I don't know how many people will wait in line for a porter that they'll release one time with a brewery that they made once that they'll never do again a long fucking time. But like how much of that is clout? How much of that is quality? And how much is that? Like it's all gotta be calculated. It's always different. It's what you're trying to pull. Sure. So what did you think of this brewed IPA? It's honestly, 
You like it's it? It's dangerous. I think that beer will fuck people up. It's supposed to be like champagne. Average <laughs> consumer will start drinking that and going, holy shit, like 6% per volume. <laughs> Do you think this beer is approachable? Yeah. I think that would sell in a baseball stadium and kill people. <laughs> oh, you think it's that approachable? I think people huh. will would would be dang- <laughs> it would slay though the profit margin because it's what six point two percent i said? believe it's in city field so it's like eight dollars eight dollars a fucking bottle in city field it would no, be like twelve dollars a bottle 15 yeah <laughs> and i'm sure it slays i'm sure people would be like oh man i only have to drink two of these i'm fucked up <laughs> so you automatically like zipped yourself to a specific setting i'm like just straight talking about quality of this product do you think it is a good quality product it's the second brewed ipa i've ever had so it's probably a little too early for me to say i would imagine that if there were a standard to be pushing for a brewed ipa sierra nevada was completely dialed into it so i would say that that's probably a firm representation of the style but i also have only had two versions of the style so fascinating I agree with what you just said. And I think that you feel empowered and to stand on this platform to say that you think this is a good version of this style is because you can count on this brewery as being like one of those like classic breweries that produces things to style. I don't. Yeah. 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 They're not taking shotgun shit fucking shots. They're sniping shots. To me, that's really important as a consumer, just like you to reiterate what you said earlier the most important thing is when you promise me something, I want that delivered. Yeah, I do too. That's like, important. that's my biggest thing as a consumer. Don't fuck me. Right. Do don't not fuck, fuck me, me over. <laughs> don't try to give me the slip, present something in one hand and don't pull, pull something on the other. Will make my hair grow. Right. And I'm looking in right. the mirror like, why am I bald? Right. Fucko. <laughs> right. Right. So at the end of the day, that probably ultimately means that, something needs to be high quality is that the elmer fudd where bugs he like massages it into his he's like standing on his head i don't know (laughs) (laughs) all right beats me kid i don't watch cartoons like you kid i watch a ton of cartoons i know well you know what we're going out on right i absolutely do not know (laughs) okay hope it makes me think of frolicking in the sand What do we got here? Oof. Everyone else. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of God Jabru. 33? I think this is episode 33, guys. I think so, too. It's almost getting older than me, this show. (laughs) Oh, I knew it. This is right before their sixth song encore. All right. Well, I'm this is an earworm. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll never not be able to sing it. This is what. This is this is also fun. why I always faded it at the end because we never actually end the show. We did this this way every time. This is what. Right, thank show, you, you thank you for joining us on episode 33 of Gajibro. That was Say It To Me Santos from the same show that you heard from the other song and the song before that. So hopefully you enjoyed Riviera Maya. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that Riviera Maya. (laughs) Hopefully you'll tune in next week. I'm the Lizza. (laughs) I'm the kid. See you next time.